In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us kneel. O most sweet Jesus, for the sake of thy precious blood shed for us in carrying thy cross to Calvary, relieve the suffering souls in purgatory. O most sweet Jesus, for the sake of thy precious blood shed so profusely for us in thy crucifixion, relieve the suffering souls in purgatory. O most sweet Jesus, for the sake of thy precious blood shed for us to the very last drop by the opening of thy sacred heart, relieve the suffering souls in purgatory. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I give you my heart and my soul. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, assist the souls in purgatory. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, lead these souls to the peace of heaven. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. Today is the last Sunday after Pentecost, and once again, as we've done over the past month, we profess that our Lord Jesus Christ is King Make Jesus the true King of your mind by firmly believing the truths revealed by God regarding death, judgment, purgatory, hell and heaven. Flood your mind with thoughts of Christ's doctrine on death, judgment, purgatory, hell and heaven and purify your mind with thoughts of Christ's doctrine on death, judgment, purgatory, hell, and heaven. Remember, St. Alphonsus Liguori, Doctor of the Church, teaches, quote, Happy is he who lives with eternity always in view, with a lively faith that he must shortly die and enter into eternity. Close quote. That is a magnificent description of what it means to truly be a faithful Catholic. It means living with eternity always in view, always foremost in our mind and in our heart. Once again, as I did last Sunday, I want to give you examples, especially from the lives of the saints, on the teachings of the church, precisely on these last things. Death, judgment, purgatory, hell and heaven. The first example is from St. Padre Pio. In May of 1922, St. Padre Pio testified the following to the Bishop of Melfi, His Excellency Alberto Costa, and also the Superior of the Friary, Padre Lorenzo of San Marco, along with five other friars. While in the Friary on a winter afternoon after a heavy snowfall, Padre Pio was sitting by the fireplace one evening in the guest room, absorbed in prayer, when an old man, wearing an old-fashioned cloak, still worn by southern Italian peasants at the time, sat down beside him. 
Concerning this man, Padre Pio stated, I could not imagine how he could have entered the friary at this time of night, since all the doors were locked. I questioned him, Who are you? What do you want? The old man told him, Padre Pio, I am Pietro di Mauro, son of Nicola, nicknamed Precoco. He went on to say, I died in this friary on the 18th of September 1908 in cell number 4 when it was still a poor house. One night while in bed I fell asleep with a lighted cigar which ignited the mattress and I died, suffocated and burned. I am still in purgatory. I need a holy mass in order to be freed. God permitted that I come and ask you for help. According to Padre Pio, after listening to him, I replied, Rest assured that tomorrow I will celebrate Mass for your liberation. I arose and accompanied him to the door of the friary so that he could leave. I did not realize at that moment that the door was closed and locked. I opened it and bade him farewell. The moon lit up the square covered with snow. When I no longer saw him in front of me, I was taken by a sense of fear and I closed the door, re-entered the guest room and felt faint. A few days later, Padre Pio told the story to Padre Paulino and the two decided to go to the town hall where they looked at the vital statistics for the year 1908 and found that yes, on September 18th of that year, one Pietro di Mauro had in fact died of burns and asphyxiation in room number four at the friary, then used as a home for the homeless. The souls in purgatory receive great consolation from the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is truly the mother of mercy, the comforter of the afflicted, the help of Christians and the Queen of Purgatory. Most Holy Mary, having loved her servants who were in the world, loves them to the end after the example of her Divine Son. Not content with assisting souls at their last agony at the hour of death, the Blessed Virgin Mary succors and relieves them in Purgatory. The Blessed Virgin Mary once said to St. Bridget, quote, I am the mother of all the souls in purgatory. All the sufferings which they endure for the sins committed in life are alleviated in some measure through my intercession. St. Bernardine of Siena says, quote, In that prison where souls that are spouses of Jesus Christ are detained, Mary has a certain dominion and plenitude of power not only to relieve them, but even to deliver them from their prison. Close quote. And St. Bonaventure applies the words of Scripture, this from the book of Ecclesiasticus, chapter 24, quote, I have penetrated 
into the bottom of the deep. Close quote. And he says, quote, Mary penetrates to the depths of purgatory and lightens the sufferings of the souls therein. Close quote. In like manner, St. Vincent Ferrer says, quote, Ah, how loving and kind is Mary towards those poor sufferers in purgatory. She strengthens them and refreshes them continually. And St. Alphonsus Liguori teaches, quote, If we wish to relieve the holy souls in purgatory, let us do so by imploring the aid of our Blessed Lady, especially by offering the rosary for them. Close quote. We can say that this teaching is depicted in the painting of the Last Judgment by Michelangelo, where Our Lady is seen pulling two souls out of purgatory by means of the chain of the Holy Rosary. And let us not forget that in the year of our Lord, 1322, Pope John XXII declared the famous Sabbatine privilege of the brown scapular, which was later confirmed by numerous of his successors in the papacy, including Pope St. Pius V. The Sabbatine privilege essentially says that those who wear the brown scapular and fulfill two other conditions, that is, living chastely according to their state in life and praying the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which can be substituted by the Holy Rosary, that they will obtain an early liberation from purgatory on the Saturday after their death through the special intercession of the Virgin Mary. And here we have yet another example of devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary and its efficacy, not only for the poor souls in purgatory, but its efficacy in helping us to avoid purgatory altogether. Father Michel de La Fontaine, a Jesuit, was one of the first missionaries who labored for the salvation of the people of Peru in South America. He died on February the 11th, 1606, in Valencia, Spain. His greatest care when instructing the new converts of Peru was to inspire them with a horror of sin and to lead them to great devotion towards the mother of God by speaking of her marvelous virtues and teaching them to pray the holy rosary in her honor Mary on her part rewarded his efforts one day when exhausted with fatigue he lay prostrate in the dust not having strength to rise. Our Lady appeared to him and she reanimated his courage saying, quote, Have confidence, my son. Your fatigues will take the place of purgatory for you. 
bear your sufferings patiently and on leaving this life, your soul will be received into the abode of the blessed. Close quote. This vision was for Father de la Fontaine during life, but especially at the hour of his death, a source of abundant consolation. In gratitude for this favor, each week he practiced some particular penance. At the moment when he expired, a religious of eminent virtue saw his soul take flight into heaven in the company of the Blessed Virgin, St. Peter, St. John the Evangelist, and St. Ignatius, the founder of the Society of Jesus of the Jesuits. Let us take a few moments to reflect on Catholic teaching, on heaven, hell, purgatory. Heaven is forever, forever and ever. It is the place where only the souls of the perfectly just and holy are admitted. Hell is forever, forever and ever. It is the dungeon of fire into whose depths are plunged the souls of unrepentant sinners. The eternity of heaven and hell should always be in our minds. We should take time to reflect. Heaven is forever and ever. Hell is forever and ever. Purgatory lies between the two and is meant to receive for a time those souls of the just who still require some further purification. Purgatory will exist until the end of the world and the day of the last judgment. But it won't last forever. Purgatory is a place of punishment where the souls of the faithful departed must suffer in expiation for those sins which they did not or not fully atone while on earth. Purgatory is a place of purification where the souls of the faithful departed are cleansed from all such stains as may render them unworthy of heaven where nothing impure can enter. The soul remains in purgatory until it is perfectly pure. This is something also to reflect on when we're thinking about heaven. Nothing impure can enter heaven. This is why we do what we do as Catholics at Mass. Because again, Mass is the most perfect anticipation of heaven. And that's why whenever we come to Mass, we should be doing our best to come with pure hearts. Because just as nothing impure can enter into heaven, well, really, nobody impure, you know, should be at Mass. I mean, in the sense that if we were truly participating at Mass, and most certainly that applies when we're receiving Holy Communion, which is why it's a teaching of the Church that we are to be in a state of grace to receive our Lord in Holy Communion. Because again, it's a foreshadowing, a kind of picture of heaven. Purgatory is a place of divine justice 
God is purity and holiness itself. And God's justice is rigorous because His sanctity is infinite. God punishes even the most trivial faults because even the least sin is an offense to His infinite sanctity. The slightest transgression assumes enormous proportions and demands enormous atonement. And purgatory is a place of divine mercy. God, who is charity and goodness itself, has made purgatory so that He should not be obliged forever to cast from Him His own dear children, who, though weak and erring, are of goodwill. The following is a private revelation. It's not official church teaching. But it can help us to reflect on the reality of purgatory. It comes from a nun from France who died on February the 22nd, 1871 at the age of 36. Two and a half years later she began appearing from purgatory to a fellow nun in her convent. This second nun wrote down these revelations in what is called an unpublished manuscript on purgatory. Quoting from this document, I can tell you about the different degrees of purgatory because I have passed through them. In the great purgatory there are several stages. In the lowest and most painful, like a temporary hell, are the sinners who have committed terrible crimes during life and whose death surprises them in that state. It was almost a miracle that they were saved, and often by the prayers of holy parents or other pious persons. Sometimes they did not even have time to confess their sins, and the world thought them lost. But God, whose mercy is infinite, gave them at the moment of death the contrition necessary for their salvation, on account of one or more good actions which they performed during life. For such souls, purgatory is terrible. It is a real hell with this difference, that in hell they curse God, whereas we bless Him and thank Him for having saved us. Next to these come the souls who, though they did not commit great crimes like the others, were indifferent to God. They did not fulfill their Easter duties and were also converted at the point of death. They are in purgatory for the long years of indifference. They suffer unheard of pains and are abandoned, either without prayers or if prayers are set for them, they are not allowed to profit by them. Remember what I quoted to you last Sunday with regard to St. Gertrude, same thing. There are in this stage of purgatory religious of both sexes who were tepid, neglectful of their duties, indifferent towards Jesus. Also priests who did not exercise their sacred ministry with the reverence due to the sovereign majesty and who did not instill the love of God sufficiently into the souls confided to their care. I was in this stage of purgatory. In the second or middle purgatory are the souls of those who died with venial sins not fully expiated before death or with mortal sins that have been forgiven 
but for which they have not made entire satisfaction to the divine justice. In this part of purgatory, there are also different degrees according to the merits of each soul. Lastly, there is the purgatory of desire, which is called the threshold. Very few escape this. To avoid it altogether, one must ardently desire heaven and the vision of God. That is rare, rarer than people think. Because even pious people do not have a sufficiently strong desire of going to heaven. This purgatory has its very painful martyrdom like the others. The deprivation of the sight of our loving Jesus adds to the intense suffering. Once again, as I mentioned to you already last Sunday, one of the great benefits arising from the thought of purgatory, again, reflecting in our minds on the reality of purgatory, is that it inspires one with a spirit of penance and self-denial, something that we all struggle with. Because if one does penance for one's sins in this world, such expiation will not be required in the next. Again, God is infinitely just. He's not making you do double expiation. If you do the atonement that you need to do for the sins in your life here on this earth, you will not have to do them in the next. Reflecting well on purgatory leads one to the conclusion, I better settle my accounts with God now. That means today, not tomorrow, not in a week, not in a year. I better settle my accounts with God now. I better take advantage of His mercy now to satisfy His justice. I better pay my debts now while I can do so easily. This is my resolve and firm purpose. The following are five very important means to avoid purgatory. One, great devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. All of us can do this, all of us can improve. I'll take a quick moment right now to encourage all of you, especially now that Advent will begin next Sunday. All of you hopefully know that we pray the Rosary before Mass. So, those that you know haven't come in the past to the Rosary, I encourage you, Consider making a special effort to come at the beginning of, at least at the beginning of the year for Advent. Anyway, great devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, number one. Number two, charity and works of mercy. When we practice charity, when we perform works of mercy, whether the spiritual or corporal works of mercy, we are purifying ourselves and we're also making atonement for the sins of our past life. Number three, mortification. Whenever, for example, that we mortify our tongue or that we practice custody of the eyes and we mortify our eyes. Mortification. Three. Number four, frequent recourse to the sacraments, especially Holy Mass and Holy Communion. And number five, resignation to the will of God and a humble acceptance of death. Here, think especially... 
when we're resigned to the will of God and we accept with patience and with trust in God whatever illnesses and setbacks that come our way and also, again, accepting death when it comes our way. A brief reflection on the final judgment. Let us now contemplate the multitudes gathered together in the place of judgment. All mankind, this is also why it's so important that we search for the truth, because all of the people that are in false religions, the day of reckoning will come. All mankind, every human being who has ever lived upon earth, as well as all the evil spirits who were cast out of heaven, will be compelled to appear here before the judgment seat of Christ. The good will be all together, rejoicing in the certainty of their eternal salvation. They are adorned with glorious apparel and shine like the stars of heaven. They know one another, they greet one another, and exchange mutual congratulations regarding their most happy reward. Not so the wicked. The good stand on the right hand and the wicked on the left. Unfortunately, the number of the wicked is far, far greater than that of the good. Alas, my God, what an immense multitude there will be on the left hand. All these countless billions of human beings will pour out their excessive sorrow and anguish in piteous lamentations. So, as I mentioned to you last Sunday, prepare now for your judgment. For you know neither the day nor the hour. What you do know with absolute certainty is that you will be judged and the result will be your eternity forever and ever, either in heaven or in hell. A brief reflection on hell. The following description of hell comes from a book called The Apocalypse of Paul, which was widely read in the early centuries. It is not official church teaching, but it helps us reflect on the reality of hell. As I read this brief passage to you, keep in mind that it's only a brief passage. The individual, supposedly St. Paul, but the individual is led by an angel into hell. But what you're going to hear is you're just going to hear like the very beginning. Don't think that this is the end of it. It continues and continues where all the different parts of hell are being viewed and the angel is explaining why the souls that are there are there. The angel said to me, Come, follow me, and I will show you the souls of the ungodly and the sinners, so you may know what kind of place they have. And when I had gone beyond the ocean, I looked, and there was no light in that place, but darkness and sorrow and sadness. And I saw there a river of fire burning with heat, and in it was a multitude of men and women sunk in it up to their knees and others up to their navel 
Others as well up to their lips and still others up to their hair. I asked the angel, Sir, who are those in the river of fire? The angel answered, They are neither hot nor cold, for they passed the time of their life upon earth, spending some days in prayer, but other days in sins and fornications until their death. I asked, Who are these, sir, who are sunk up to their knees in the fire? He answered, These are the ones who, when they came out of church, occupied themselves in gossip and idle talk. But the ones who are sunk up to the navel are those who, when they had received the body and blood of Christ, went and committed fornication and didn't cease from their sins until they died. Those who are sunk up to their lips are the ones who slandered one another when they gathered in the church of God. But those who are sunk up to the eyebrows are those who enticed one another to devise evil secretly against their neighbors. Then I saw on the north side a place of many various torments, full of men and women, and a river of fire flowed down on them. And I looked and saw extremely deep pits, And in them saw many souls together. The pits looked to be nearly a mile deep. I saw the souls groaning and weeping, saying, Have mercy on us, Lord. But no one had mercy on them. I saw another multitude of pits in the same place. And in the midst of them was a river filled with a multitude of men and women. Worms devoured them. Again I saw men and women with a blackened countenance in a pit of fire. And I sighed and wept and asked, Who are these, sir? And a final brief reflection on heaven. St. John Marie Vianney preached as follows, quoting him, To dwell in the house of the good God, to enjoy the presence of the good God, To be happy with the happiness of the good God. Oh, what happiness, my children. Who can understand all the joy and consolation with which the saints are inebriated in paradise? St. Paul, who was taken up into the third heaven, tells us that there are things above which he cannot reveal to us and which we cannot comprehend. Indeed, my children, we can never form a true idea of heaven till we shall be there. It is a hidden treasure, an abundance of secret sweetness, a plenitude of joy which may be felt, but which our poor tongue cannot explain. The good God Himself will be our recompense. O God, the happiness You promise us is such that the eyes of man cannot see it, his ears cannot hear it, nor his heart conceive it. Yes, my children, the happiness of heaven is incomprehensible. No more sickness, no more sadness, no more pains, no more grief. Can anyone be unhappy when he is with the good God? We shall love him with an uninterrupted and undivided love, because He alone 
will occupy our whole heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.